Pop-Tarts box, they have directions on there. Can, can there be a simpler food item than Pop-Tarts? Like if the directions weren't on there, would somebody, what the? How do I get that goodness in me? What do you do? How do you get it done? You read, man. That's what you do. They have two sets of directions, in case you don't understand one set, you abandon that whole track and get on something a little easier for yourself. They have a set of toaster directions, which, believe it or not, is more than one step. How could there possibly be more than one step? I can only think of one. Step one, toast the Pop-Tarts. Go ahead, toast them. Hey, are you still reading this? But they've managed to break them into smaller increments. These are some of the actual steps. I would love to be in the room watching somebody who has to consult these toaster steps. Okay, number one, remove pastry from pouch. I see where they're going with this. We're banging on all cylinders now. Number two, insert pastry. Vertically. They're reading toaster direction. You're going to throw the vertical concept at them? Then they have a whole set of microwave directions. That just blew me away that you could actually microwave a Pop-Tart. I mean, how long does it take to toast a Pop-Tart? A minute? If you want them dark? People don't have that kind of time? Listen, if you need to zap fry your Pop-Tarts before you head out the door, you might want to loosen up your schedule. So there are some lessons that we can learn from the earthquake that happened in the Gospel of Matthew at the, at the resurrection. After the crucifixion, they took Jesus' body off the cross. They went, they put it in the tomb. And then the Gospel of Matthew, which is different from the other four Gospels, they all tell the story differently. But uh, it's their own recount of the resurrection story. Matthew has an earthquake happen. And an angel shows up and sits on the stone that had been rolled away. And so today we're going to look at what we can learn from that shaken up 
up image and that shaken up lesson, we're going to learn what we can take away from death. And maybe it is that in the loss of death, whether it's the, the death of a relationship, the, dre- the death of a dream or a path that we feel like we've had for our lives, then it's going to go unfulfilled. You know, whatever loss it is that we're experiencing, what if we go at that loss and we look at it with laughter? But in order to do that, we have to understand a, a pretty important and pretty heavy concept, actually. It is in letting go that we can find the ability to laugh. Now, I am not athletic by nature. It is not in my skill set. I tried all throughout middle school and high school to play different sports. And, you know, frankly, it did not matter. There's just something about a ball coming at my body that causes me to scream and run the other way. So I tried basketball, volleyball, tennis. Nothing worked for me. But in college, all my friends, we went to Appalachian State. All my friends wanted to ski. And they were always asking me to go snow ski. And I was horrific. The only time I snow skied was with my Girl Scout troop when I was in fifth grade. We went up to Appalachian Ski Mountain, and it was the same day that the Special Olympics were up there, and Jane Fonda was making this special uh, presentation, and it was going to be on the evening news, and I didn't know how to stop with that snowplow concept, and I skied right through the Special Olympics, interrupted the filming. People were chasing me from the security. It was a traumatic experience in fifth grade. And so after that, I never went to ski again until peer pressure in college just made me give in. So I went with Scott and his brother and some other friends. And Scott's brother uh, has a healthy self-esteem. Scott will tell you that as well. And he was convinced that he could teach me to ski. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I have no balance, no agility like that. He's like, oh no, you can, I can teach anybody to ski. I'm like, all right, because I really wanted to learn. So we get there and we go to like Beach Mountain and we go to the top, the diamond, the black diamond hills or whatever those things are. We did not start on the bunny slope, which is stupid, frankly. But he's like, listen, you've got this. All you have to do is you put your skis in between mine and you hold on to my waist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know where this is going. And just... Hold on and go. It didn't work. I just kept falling down, falling on him, falling around him, falling in front of him. There there was no way I was ever going to learn to ski. But he was determined that this path that we were taking where I could not see where I was going and I didn't have my little poles and I had no skill set or information or instructions on how to do this, just go with it, hold on to me, and just keep going. It did not work. Hours hours of torture. I'm still tormented by this and will never, ever, ever put snow skis on my body again. Because after hours and finally my crying and refusing to go back on the slope, I'm like, never again. So as a youth minister, before I became a a pastor that preaches, uh, they always wanted to go skiing. And I'm like, yes, and I will wait on you in the lodge. I will be the point person. And that is what I've done since then. It was awful. And then we moved here to Lake Norman, where snow skiing might not happen a lot, but water skiing does. Fast forward about 15 years, 
We meet this family, and, and they really were amazing to us and our children. They were like the grandparents that our kids didn't have. And, and the, the gentleman said, I can teach anyone to ski. I'm like, oh, no, 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 you cannot. And he's like, yes, I can. I can teach anyone to ski. I'm like, you've not seen me, actually. And I tried with the Girl Scouts to water ski, and that was a horrific experience, too. So I'm like, this is not going to go well. And he said, yeah, it is. Here are a few lessons you need to learn. First of all, you need to lean back. And the second thing is, when you fall, you need to let go. I didn't listen the first time. I drank at least 20 gallons of Lake Norman in that one fall. I mean, I just kept... I learned my lesson then. The next time... I got up enough to fall. I let go of the rope. The fall didn't hurt quite so bad. And we kept doing it over and over. And I learned to let go of the rope. I learned that falling sometimes isn't all that bad. And that when we fall, every time we fall, every time, Something happens inside of us, and we get just a little more courage and a little more faith to get back up again. That's the lesson that we can take away from the Easter story. The Apostle Paul writes about that lesson. He had this Damascus Road experience. He was Saul, and he tormented people, and he was probably one of the meanest people ever. He hated Christians, hated them. Wanted them dead. And then one day he had this this experience and he was blinded by the light and he encountered the resurrected God. After that, he wrote this. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone and that puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrected life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside. And we see that anyone that is united with the Messiah gets a fresh start and is created new. When we taught our kids to walk, we had to teach them to let go. We were privileged to have some friends in our lives that had kids about 10 years older than ours, and so they would give us some sage parenting advice. They told us that when our kids would be learning to walk or learning to do new things, if they would fall down, and this may sound a little sadistic to you, but it worked for us and our family, when the kids fall down, don't go, (gasps) and panic because you scare them. Instead, when they fall down, clap and go, yay, good for you, good for you, you can do this. And encourage them to get back up again. 
So that's what we did. Over and over again, regardless of what our kids were trying to learn or do, when they would mess up or fall down, instead of reacting or overreacting, we tried to just cheer them on and encourage them to get up again. Even now that they're adults, when they mess up, that's what we encourage them to do. Learn from it. Let it go, and then go try again. The same laughter that we experience, that laughter that is given in love comes from the same place in our lives that our tears come from. Think about that for just a second. Laughter. A laughter that is filled with love and hope and joy. It comes from the same place in our souls that our tears come from. In order to move from the tears to the laughter, we have to let go. We've talked over the past several weeks about not clinging to things, not clinging to the past, not clinging to people, not clinging to dreams, not clinging, clinging to pathways, but instead learning to let go. That's what happened over and over again in the resurrection story. Folks lost that which meant the most to them. But when they learned to let go of that death and that grief, that's when they learned how to live. It's so hard for us as human beings, but it's so true. And that, that's the story of Easter. You know, there actually is a religious holiday. It's called Holy Humor, the Easter Laugh. Rhesus Pascalis is the name of the holiday. And the early Christians started celebrating it, and they would celebrate it, and it always happened on the Sunday after Easter. And when they would get together in their gathering, they would laugh and play practical jokes on one another. They would dance, and they would sing, and they would drink, and they would have these big parties. It was called Holy Humor, the Easter Laugh. And the meaning behind it was that God had played the ultimate joke on Satan or evil or the devil, whatever you want to call it. God got the last laugh. Because surely evil thought it was over. Evil that was so threatened by the presence of Jesus, who was so selfless and so loving, so compassionate. Surely evil thought that death won, an evil one, Satan won. But on the Sunday after Easter, everybody realized God actually got the last laugh. Not death, and not Satan, and not evil. They celebrated this holiday so very much that by the 17th century... Pope Clement X decided to ban the holiday because they were having too much fun and they had taken it to extremes. When I read that story, I thought, could you really have too much fun? And then I thought, well, yeah, probably. You know, we probably should keep it within some limits. But what if we embrace that idea 
What if we embrace the idea that through Easter and through the art of letting go and through the art of gaining that inner courage and that inner faith, every time we fall down, when we get back up again, we take one step deeper into being who we are and created to be at one with God. God resides in each of us. God is not out there. And in order to connect with that God, we have to go inward And that's when we find that perfect peace and that love. But it means we can't exist back there in our past. We can have our memories and we can hold on to our memories with love and joy. But we can't dwell there. We can't stay stuck in our past. And contrary to what we might think, we cannot control our futures. I'm pretty controlling person. I like to control my path. I like to control my future. When it gets a little wiggy, I get wiggy. But you know what? We can't do that. We can't predict the future. And if we cling to that too much, we end up missing out on the joy and the love that comes with life. We have to learn to let go. It is in the art of letting go that we find that perfect peace. One of the biggest privileges of ministry is walking with families through the loss of a loved one. There's just uh, no greater experience other than baptizing someone than being with someone when they move from this realm to the life everlasting. Because I've had the opportunity to be in this area in ministry for quite some time. I mean, like 16, 17 years in the Mooresville area at Williamson's Chapel. And, and then now here, I've had the chance to watch families go through the loss of loved ones. And then realize that it's in the art of letting go that they learn how to truly live. And I'm talking about tragic losses Loss of spouses at an early age. Loss of babies. Yet, through the grieving process, they learn to let go. And learn to truly live. The same gift that came that day that made an impact on the Apostle Paul that said, look, you know, it's not about who you are or what you have or any of those things. It's only about this person, Jesus, who showed us that in selfless living and selfless loving, that is how we truly connect to the power and the love that God offers us. I want to show you a word this morning. And this is what I want us to walk away with today. If you read it first, what do you have? Talk to me. Nowhere. If you read it second, what do you have? Let that sink in for just a second. When we cling to the past or dwell in the past, or get stuck in the past. Or, when we fear the future, we are nowhere. The only thing that's real is the moment that we live in right here, right now. I mean, that is our reality this second. 
if we want to experience peace and love and hope, we have to let go. And we need to be now here. If we'll do that, I promise God's got it. Always. Let us pray. Gracious God, you are so big. Your power and your presence exist in each of us. Sometimes we just can't feel it and see it because we are stuck in our fear and in our anxiety around the future or our sadness of losing our hopes and our dreams or being living and existing in our past. Gracious God, You gave us the ultimate gift, a son who taught us how to live, who taught us how to let go, who showed us that actually life and love get the last laugh. And that comes in the art of letting go, just like he let go of his life so that we could live. Let us embrace that hope in Christ's name. I know it is easier said than done, but what if we learn to befriend death, death of whatever, and learn to laugh at it? There is holy humor. There is the Easter laugh. May we go and embrace that laugh today. Amen.